Welcome to the Forerunners Podcast. You're listening to part one of our interview with Sham Steyer. Enjoy. Welcome, Sham. Hey. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Let's get started right away. Where are you from, dude? I'm originally from Westchester, Pennsylvania. You're a Pennsylvania guy, huh? Yeah. Nice. So, um, we'll also talk real quick about your family. You got a little family. Tell us about them. Uh, so, my wife, Farsha, we've been married since 2003. And my daughter, Kendall, she's she just turned eight. And yeah, she's a joy. Nice, dude. She's a little runner, right? She is. There's a... Uh... She's constantly you're she's constantly getting little PRs and mile those milers in the races, isn't she? Well, I guess you know we started her when she was four. So at the at the one Ks and the one miles, and so it's just evolution, I guess. Like as she gets older, she'll yeah. get a little get a little faster. But you know, it's 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 always good. It's you know a long time ago I used to push her at the Dismal Swamp. Yeah. And when I used to push her at the Dismal Swamp, you know, one day I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to run with you out here. And then she ran a, a one mile race out there. It was a freedom run, like a 9 11 deal in 2018. And she did it. And it was, you know, it meant more to me, I guess, on the inside than it did. Yeah. You know, for her. Yeah, she was. She also ran the same race that uh, the same one miler that my little daughter did over at Norfolk Harbor this uh, this fall. Yeah, that's always a good one. Yeah, that's you know the Norfolk Harbor Lights is my favorite local half marathon. To be yeah. honest, I mean, I like the Shamrock. You know, the Harbor Lights is my favorite because it's kind of like it's like the first one. It's the first big one here mm-hmm. like in a training cycle. Nice. Um, I remember you were, I guess you were editing some video and you had seen me in the, you had seen me in the Norfolk Harbor video and I was sitting there trying to cheer my daughter on too. So, well, how'd you end up here, man? If you're, we, just full disclosure, he's a military guy. He's been in the Navy. So how'd you end up in the 757, man? You're a military guy. You planted, it seems like you planted your roots here kind of. You know, by way of, you know, Westchester, Pennsylvania, I moved to California, and after high school, I joined the Navy from there. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't a West Coast guy, so, yeah, I wanted to move back east, so in boot camp, like, in school, I picked whatever I can get back on the East Coast, and Virginia was the closest I can get, Yeah, you know, to Pennsylvania. So, I started off here, and from here, that's where I originally, my first experience of Virginia. Yeah. Gotcha. Did the Navy take you to any other places to live or have you, did you live here the whole time? From here, I went to, uh, I was stationed at Fallon in the middle of the desert in Nevada. It's Northern Nevada. It's, you know, it's a base that's, you know, it's 65 miles outside of Reno. um, And it's, now it's a little bit more built up but back then it was a little bit more desolate yeah, and a little bit more, you know, um, rural, Mm -hmm. we'll call it. So I've done a deep dive on your Instagram. Okay. And I noticed that at some point in the last couple years, 
you actually took part in a little festival called Coachella. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> so, so my first experience with Coachella was I got tickets from a friend who wanted to, you know, I've always heard about it, but never looked into it. It was yeah. never like my thing. So in 2016, I went to Coachella and, you know, I bought these tickets off of her. Little did I know that they were as expensive as they were, but got the tickets from her and just realized that it's a great event. Yeah. It's, I've never been to like a real, like a smaller scale music festival first. It's like, you know, concerts is something, but you go to that and it's a three day, you know, whatever, whatever goes. Yeah. That's, that's what we'll call it. But what I did notice there is that, you know, it is pretty, it's nonviolent. There's, everybody's just trying to listen to the music, just trying to have a good time. There's the other aspects of Coachella as well. But, you know, I realized that I seen people with kids and I was like, you know what? My daughter is pretty much like me. And, you know, she likes this music. She likes, you know, this atmosphere and kids are just kids. So, you know, so the following year in 2017, I took her to Coachella for the first time. And then since then, she's been two more times. So we've been... Twice as a whole family, and then... Oh, so you've gone to Coachella several times. Three times. Oh, dang. 16, 17, and 18. That's crazy, dude. I uh, I just started hearing about Coachella, like, on the internet within the past year, year or two. I guess it's a cultural phenomenon amongst young people. Well, it, it is, and, you know, I've probably heard about it since, I don't know, maybe 2010, 11. Yeah. And, but like I said, I was here... And I knew it was somewhere else, and it wasn't something that I was going to just venture to. But living in California, when it was a three-hour drive away, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, give it a shot. Yeah. I also seen some uh, some poker chips. Are You you take place in, or take part in some Las Vegas gaming sometimes, or what? I, I do. I lo- <laughs> What's your game? So I like to play blackjack. Man, I, so, I lose everything at blackjack. So, so I... Sh- you know, I like craps and blackjack. They're my they're my two favorite games. And you know, a nice casino is a vacation for me. It's like yeah, I can get away, you know, especially Vegas casinos. Mm-hmm. Your family can go do something else and you can sit and deal with the the weirdos of the world. Listen, I went on a cruise like two years ago and it's my first experience in a casino. And I sucked real bad at blackjack. I thought I was going to be good at Texas Hold'em, and I was real bad at that, too. But then I got on the roulette table and became like an addict, dude. And there was a time where I was just hitting and hitting and hitting, and my stacks were getting huge. And I don't know, and like I had drawn a crowd, right. including, including my wife. So I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of like an egomaniac when I get going. Like, it's a good thing I'm not good at running, because I'd be a bad guy. For real. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) So look, so I'm at the table winning and winning, and I I literally scream at the top of my lungs that I can't lose. 
And my wife got so pissed at me and so angry at me. And she, uh, she said, you need, to, you need to stop. And I was like, I'm winning. I can do what I want. And she, uh, she walked out on me and I had to go apologize to her. Oh, by the way, when she walked out on me, I basically lost everything. That's... Mm. It wasn't when she walked out of me. It's when I said, I can't lose. I don't know which it was. It was either my pride or my lucky, my lucky charm walking off, dude. I don't know. <laughs> but look, roulette is my weakness, dude. If I see a roulette table, it's done. I love that stuff. I mean, roulette is simple. Like, it's... it's yeah. It's, it's simple. It's probability, man. Yeah. Probability. Like got, pick, what could be about to pick happen? Pick a number and let it happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about running now. Um, do you have a background in running as a child? Like, did you run when you were a kid? Sports? Anything? No. I, I did, you know, the basic, you know, you know, gym, PE, PE stuff, yeah. type stuff. And, you know, when I was younger, I was mainly into, you know, I grew up in like suburban Pennsylvania. You know, it's, we, it was baseball, you know, baseball and, and field hockey. And mm-hmm. hockey, lacrosse was the thing. So I learned how to play lacrosse. And, you know, we used to just play pickup games of baseball all the time. And I guess, I mean, just active as, active as a kid. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the summer, you know, my neighborhood, you know, we would do like sprints. Like the older people would be like, hey, you know, are you faster than him? And, you know, race, you know, from light pole to light pole. Mm-hmm. And and you would do things like that. But I never... You weren't involved in any running I, sport, like track or cross Right, I wasn't anything. until until high school. When yeah. I got into high school, you know, I tried, you know, track and field. You know, but I but even then, I didn't, you know, nothing was long. Yeah. You know, I was like a backup for the relay. Yeah. And I did a long jump and a triple jump. Gotcha. That's... That was pretty much it, and just hung out and nice. yes. Yeah. So, um, you're kind of a unique guest so far because none of our other guests have we've talked about being in the military or anything. So, I want to know a little bit about what running was like in the Navy. They they kind of don't you have to do PT or something? Yeah, it's it's pretty simple. It's a mile and a half run. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's evolved and changed into a hundred of other things nowadays yeah. but you know the, the basic is you know a one and a half mile run in a specified time period gotcha on instagram i think maybe just right when i had started this uh this podcast i asked people why they started running and uh, you kind of dm me and said i mean i was kind of forced to run by the navy it, when you talk about uh when you talk about running because you had to in the navy was it because of of making sure you were ready for tests like that or right sure so so early on you know we used to do pt three days a week yeah you know two three days a week or whatever and it was you know most of the time it was some activity some type of like strength building and then it rolled into running you know running 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 that, that was my first experience of repetitive yeah. running you know because i didn't really do other than you know, basic track practice, I guess, in high school. That was my first experience of, like, some type of routine. Monday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Friday Yeah, running. Yeah, yeah. So, when you're in the Navy and you got all these sailors around you, what's the perception of running? Do people, 
do people roll their eyes or is it like something or is it just like some people like it some people don't or some it's hit or miss yeah it's just yeah. got to do with whoever right. it's 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 a person. part of the process yeah you know you're you're gonna get people that you know it's not their it's not their cup of tea yeah so um you are out of the navy now and i know you said you started running because the navy made you but you're not in the navy anymore and you still run so why why are you still running i have a competitive mindset yeah. you know that's like self-driven when people want to progress when people have like a you know a real progression mindset like in anything when you do the first thing you should finish it and be like you know i probably could have done that just a little better yeah and and then and i'm that guy you know so it's you know i ran a one race and i was like you know i ran that race but i didn't train for it yeah. and it's like what if i train for it and then you, you run another you train for it yeah in quotations and just meaning maybe you run once or twice a week yeah. and you run it again and then you say how could i do it if i train more yeah or you know do something and it's just a rabbit hole that just never ends until you yeah. just can't walk i guess like yeah. that's until you know just age and life i mean i would say age but it's i mean we see around here that there's some butt kickers around here old that folks are, that are in their 60s and 70s <laughs> yeah i mean they they're still getting at it yeah so um you're pretty connected in here in the running community i remember when i just i announced your presence that your presence was going to be here on the podcast. A lot of 757 runners got pretty excited to hear hear your story. You became a JNA ambassador at some point too, right? I did. What did that what does what does that mean? So, you know, I was I love JNA races. Yeah. You know, I I I just I just do. There was some in particular that, you know, have, you know, went away that I was fond of. You know, but just their events and just the way that they go and focus on the end product. Yeah, yeah, I say on the, the the end product is what you know. I I appreciate it about them, and and it was just like wholesome, and they're just all out good events. Yeah, and you know, so when I seen the opportunity to apply, to be like, you know, I really didn't want anything from it except just to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, it was just a good deal to represent the hub. The race organizers. Yeah. Right? They're the race organizers. They're the, they're the main thing around here. So yeah. it's like, you know, you come out and, you know, I like to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to represent something that you love. So, um, all right, let's talk about some tough stuff because you trained very, very hard. <laughs> all right. So... You, you had a goal in mind, and this fall and winter, you trained and trained and trained because you were planning on qualifying for Boston at, these, at some of these races coming up. Right. Um, your main qualifier was going to be Shamrock, right? No, it was Richmond. Oh, really? Right. Gotcha. So, so Richmond 2019 was my... Oh, okay. The Shamrock was my backup. Gotcha. So, the Shamrock was my backup to go for the qualifying, like, avenue. Yeah. Because, so I've never, I want to say officially ran a marathon. Oh, okay. 
So, so at that point, I never ran, I never officially ran a, a marathon, trained-wise, I yeah. guess we, we should say. So, I started training for Richmond July of last year, and I was putting my best foot forward, just rolling through a solid training plan, and a week after the Crawling Crab, you know, last year, I... I got injured. You yeah. know, I blew my glute out. That's gotcha. what I like to say. Yeah. And and that was my first like real running injury ever. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that was like a downward slope put me in a point of, you know, I try to rush it and try to figure out like, oh, is this going to go away? Can I keep running? And it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it really, you know, at that point, it was, it was different. But, you know, now I look at it and I say, getting hurt was the best thing that, like, probably ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, from there, I realized I was doing things the hard way. So I got hurt. I went to direct performance. You know, shout out to Amanda, the direct performance team. But I went there. And they just, you know, rehab me. You know, I went through the process, the whole rehab and everything. But they talked to me about, you know, like strength training and this and that. And then from that point, I started applying all of those things. And I came out from being hurt faster than I was like when I was running before. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was like, to me, that seems like it was a, a necessity, like it was needed. Like yeah. it was, you know, it was something that, you know, I needed as a, you know, I took a step back, but now, you know, I take, you know, three steps forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then from that point, that's where, you know, I, I trickled in and, you know, Got my group of people that was interested in, you know, excelling at the, you know, next big thing was the Shamrock. Mm-hmm. And we just went at it. Yeah. That's big training block. Uh, and you had a couple, you had a lot of people coming out and training with you for, for all that. So I did. We had, um, you know, it was hit or miss. You know, we just had a lot of people that were um, between, between that and the one city. And, you know, there was a lot of people that was, you know, focused on, you know, improvement and betterment. But there was, but you know, I took into the fact that I had a lot of people that were showing up that were first time marathoners. Yeah. And we were all going to train and experience it for the first time officially together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, so I remember when the news started coming out that there was a virus spreading in the world. You, you had actually DM me a few times just like, talking about the feeling you had about this and then the first i think the first big race to get canceled was the new york city half right right and you were like crap and that was a couple weeks before the shamrock what was that race was the week before the shamrock oh okay so it was going to be so there was a point where you were like well that's close to shamrock so i'm thinking that shamrock might get canceled so when you finally got the word that shamrock was canceled Run us through your your emotions, dude. Like, how, it what it feel like? 
Because I'm sure that other people had these emotions too. It, it, well, they they did. I was, you know, for the most part, I was just completely bummed out. Like yeah. I was, well, I was bummed out at the fact that I wouldn't get to do what I had, what I knew I was going to do. Yeah. Like I just, I knew I was going to like run what I needed to run. Yeah. Like I just, I just put in too much work. I was ready to run sub whatever yeah. to make, you know, to qualify myself, you know, for the Boston Marathon. But I I was upset because I wouldn't get to do what I wanted to do, but I couldn't get upset because I was essentially in the best shape I've been in for like forever. It's just like, you know, all right, you know, just take this, you know, and, you know, take this blessing that, you know, you're, you know, in great shape. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, you know what you're capable of and, you know, just maintain and, you know, maintain, try to stay positive and yeah. just, you know, yeah. when they, when they start back up again, then, you know, you just, you start back up again. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, recently me and you did, uh, a virtual race. Right. Uh, we did the Yeti ultra 24 hour, um, challenge. Which, for listeners who don't know, is basically a virtual race that Yeti races put together. And you run five miles every four hours inside a 24-hour period. So you end up running at least 30 miles. There are a lot of crazy people who went over 30 miles. I, I just met the mark. <laughs> so, so did I. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, um, so you took the challenge. Tell us about your experience on that. Well, I I actually came across it because it's like Jillian and, you know, other people were, you know, talking about it. And I was like, you know, maybe I need something like that right now. Or, you know, we need something like that. Meaning me and, you know, the, my little yeah. small circle. Yeah. And so I reached out to, you know, I reached out to Mike and I was like, hey, I was like, you want to do something like this? I was like, do you want to do this? You know, whatever. And he was like, why not? You know, like, like, why not? Let's, you know, let's do it. You know, it can't be anything worse than what we've done. Yeah. And that's pretty much what he's saying. He's like, you know, it's a little taste of, you know, the speed project, you know, it's a little taste of this and, you know, it shouldn't be nothing out of our reach. Yeah. So we kind of just signed up for it and just said, you know, let's go. And, and it was, it was really interesting. And I like the fact that we could pick our own, you know, start times mm -hmm. and whatever. And come to realize we probably pick, you know, a, you know, a difficult, you know, time pattern, you know, when we could have just slept and just did it all in one, yeah, like waking day. Yeah. But we decided to start it on a Friday at 7 p.m. because, you know, me and him both like to shoot, you know, dice and seven and eleven are like are the numbers that go along with craps in Vegas. Oh, gosh. So so essentially, if we start at seven, then you got to run again at eleven, and then you run at three, but then you run at seven, and then you run at eleven again, mm -hmm. and then three in the afternoon. So that was just our inside thing. It's who doesn't want to, yeah. You know? But 
running at 3 a.m. when you've been up, you know, for work since, you know, 6.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. the next day, it's, you know, it starts making it a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. a little difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people... I went with a 5 a.m. group. Like, there was a group that said we'll start at 5 a.m. And I thought, I like that because you basically, your last run is 1 a.m. So, right. there's a chance that it doesn't mess your sleep up too much. You wake up pretty early in the morning and then you kind of just go to bed at 2 a.m. So, uh, that, that was, I really liked that. I uh, was able to recover pretty good. But, like you said, I, well, personally, in my training, just running for no reason because there's no like real races to train for, I was like floundering, dude. Like I was like quitting race. I was like quitting runs in the middle, far away from my house and walking home. I would think, I would think there's no reason for me to be this uncomfortable. And I just <laughs> walk home. And look, I saw that they were doing that challenge and everybody was getting really excited about it. And I was like, I just need a reason to, to train. So I signed up, and after I signed up, like for like three weeks, I didn't quit another run just because I had something to train for that the training was meaningful. So the Yeti 24-hour challenge was was really important to me because it gave me something to train for, and uh, and it made me technically an ultra runner, which was my goal. And I did mine on the weekend of Biffledink, which was a race of mine that got canceled. Which oh, okay. was, it's basically the same race, except it's in, a, Biffledink's in a 10-hour period. Right. So, but it's a, a, a party atmosphere. But, yeah, man, I, uh, how did you recover after, after covering 30 miles on 20 Ah, uh, pretty, pretty good. I'm a, you know, I, I'm a fan of the, the breaks in between. Yeah. And then especially, like, we, we treated it as, um, as you know, just a, Kind of just a bunch of fun runs. Yeah. Just, you know, in between. Like, you know, I try to get out there and give one good solid effort. But the rest of them were pretty much, you know, so... So my guy Mike, you know, my teammate, he lives, you know, five miles from me. Yeah. So he lives five miles from me. So it's cool because we would just... It was... I don't know what I want to say, like meant to be yeah but like you know when you're running five miles it's like he runs two and a half from his house i run two and a half from my house we just kind of high five turn around and i go back home and he goes and we keep finishing these things but you know so it was it was good it was you know that's all we really had you know going for us it was you know you know, you don't want to sleep or you try to sleep or you try to recover. And it, you know, it was a lot easier to do it, you know, finishing at your house every time with all of your stuff, vice finishing inside oh, yeah. of an RV. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I was amazed by the fact that I could, uh, I could walk the next day after a marathon. It's not fun going, doing stairs for like three or four days. It's, but after my 30, mile 24, or 30 miles in 24 hours, I was going up and down the stairs. Right. So just that recovery, being able to eat, as, eat what you need to between races or between runs, massage, roll, uh, put your feet up or keep moving, whatever you want to do. It's all super helpful. So, well, we're about to round this, uh, this particular episode out, but I want you to try to give me your top five running accessories 
even if you keep it simple? <laughs> well, if I was to keep it really simple, you know, it would be a pair of shorts, shoes, and a Garmin watch. Yeah. That, that would be the, that's really, you know, all any guy needs. Yeah. For, you know, for running. But, you know, for more, you know, training and aspect, I'm a fan of, you know, I like the, you know, my Aftershock headphones or, you know, those are cool, but, you know, my AirPods, you know, a nice, you know, I mean, I, I kind of roam with my phone yeah. all, all the time. Yeah, I roam with my phone. Um, what else do I, that's. So that you just got the basic plan. Yeah, just, the, a, yeah. just a basic deal. I mean, like in accessory, if accessory wise is a, you know, a good friend, you know, <laughs> a good friend, that's a, awesome. a good friend that, that can talk. Awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's really that, that rounds out five, I yeah, guess. Man. Well, let's take a break there. <laughs> One thing that was easy for me to take away from my interview with Sham is that this dude has a healthy obsession with making himself better. And he takes that obsession and he helps the people that surround him want to be better too. And that's one of his goals with SRS Running. And next week we'll talk all about what Single Ripple Salvo is and he'll tell us all about his experience with the Speed Project. But for now, this is Danny, signing off. Godspeed.